propagate. So cancer, for example, can take 10 to 15 years before it manifests itself physically, but it's sitting there in your body. Stress-related illnesses take years to build up and young people will fight it off, but the body at a cellular level can't. So ultimately it shows up in your 30s and 40s and 50s. So I know this seems like a bit of a, a dark place to take you, but I want to let you know that the reason I think for us sharing this with you we're doing this is because it's much better you become aware of it now, manage it and keep yourself healthy and vibrant. Otherwise, the opposite to that is you end up as one of these people that's grey, ashen, fatigued, tired, fed up with your job, fed up with your career and don't understand why you're completely burnt out. And there's a whole state of adrenal burnout, which kicks in when people are workaholic. Have I gone too far there? Have I had a bit of a rant? Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life. Practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hi, it's Harms here and I am with Dr. Rowe on another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. And today we are talking about another challenging topic. And that's a question and a statement, which is, how do I know if I am a workaholic? And if, if you asked me 12 months ago, two years ago, and even sometimes today, I would have to genuinely raise my hand and say, my name is Harms and I am a workaholic. I do slightly jest about it, but this can become a genuinely serious issue because it not only affects yourself uh, for many reasons, we'll go into those, but, but doing anything in extremes can have its negative impacts. So Ro, over to you. How do you think we should break this podcast down for our amazing listeners so we, so we can get a powerful message across to them? Thanks, Harms. This is a great subject uh, and it's one I'm glad we've chosen because it is extremely topical at this moment in time in history, and I've watched phases of this come and go over the years, and there's definitely signs. So as we were talking this through just ahead of the of the, uh, the podcast today, my brain started to think, okay, well, typically people don't know what the signs are, or, or they won't admit to it. So I think the first thing is we need to look at the signs. Then I'd like to, if it's okay with you, start talking about what the causes of this, what causes this, 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 tendency to get into a workaholic state and then how do we deal with it and I think if we can go through those three things in this podcast it will give people listening a chance to first of all go oh my gosh actually I fall into that category I kind of get why I'm doing this and thank you I've got some tools to go and deal with that so I think we should go through those and then whilst we're doing it you and I can interact and share personal stories as well okay well I love that so just for listeners at home we're going to cover three key areas the signs what is causing it and how to deal with it and when we say it, we're talking about being a workaholic. So, Ro, I think you should start because you've had longer <laughs> on this planet. And I, I have an inkling that there may have been times in your life where you was an extreme workaholic. I don't just, know if that's true. <laughs> just a little bit. Just, I mean, you've known me long enough to see me go into those states. And I think it's, first of all, if as I'm going through this and, and Harminder's sharing the two of us expanding on the subject, don't beat yourself up. I, I think with all of the podcasts that we're covering with you, if we're ever talking about a subject that's sensitive, close to home, making you feel a little bit of a resistance, whether you're listening to this, you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, or you're in your teens and your 20s and early 30s, it doesn't matter. There's no judgment here. It's about awareness. And that's the whole point of the growth tribes. And the experience here is that we want you to become aware of something and then make a decision. Do I want to change that or not? And if I do want to change it, what do I need to do to change it? So this is not about judgment, but it is about awareness. And I'm going to put both my hands up 
and my feet up, my ears. And if I had hair, I'd put my hair up as well and say, you know what? I have been and still am on occasions a workaholic. It's just knowing to read the signs and then knowing how to deal with it. So I'm going to list out some and Harminder, just jump in when you hear something that resonates for you, because sure, we're yeah. two different voices. You know, you, you are if in, in many ways. And I've said this to you before. There's a, there's a big part of you that's me when I was your age. And I see these patterns and I laugh because I think, oh, my gosh, I was just like that. So I'd be really interested to see if some of these that I'm talking about you resonate with. So I, I'm just going to bang through a list of things that I see either when I'm coaching with people or I observe this in my audiences. If people come up and talk to me or on a personal level, what I've observed. Uh, and one of the first things is going to work early every single day or going to your business every single day, getting up early and making a point of being there, just that little bit ahead of everybody else, not just rocking up maybe 10 minutes before you're supposed to start, but turning up maybe an hour before, an hour and a half before to get as much done as you can before the day starts on the basis that you're still going to do a full day at work and probably stay later as well. So that's one of the first signs. If And that's weekends as well, getting up and starting to go in on weekends and, and just being obsessed with getting there and trying to pack a little bit more into that work day. That's the first thing. Second thing is, and I can tell you this, just on a quick personal share, when I was in my civil engineering career, you were almost frowned upon if you didn't come in early, mm. if you weren't there, especially if you were more senior. So as I climbed up the corporate ladder, it was expected that I'd be there early so that when my staff arrived or the people working underneath me arrived, they would see that I'm already there. I've set a standard. This is one of the conversations that had I had with my directors, the people above me. You need to be setting a standard now. We're, we're expecting you to come in and work the extra hours, come in early, leave later. Of course, I'm aiming to get to that next level. So I start to model that behavior. And that was certainly something that I did when I was in that place. But even if you're running your own business, it can be the same thing. It becomes an obsession. So that's the first and, set. And so something interesting. Well, I thought I'd just jump in there. Here's something interesting. When I started to build my business in parallel to being in the, in the workplace, I started to leave on my contracted hours. So I was uh, contracted to be there from say 7.30 to 4.30. Yeah. When I started to leave at 4.30, I started to get the nickname of being a part-timer. Yeah. And just, uh, I just want to put that out there because if you are building a business or a, or a side hustle or a side business in parallel to your, you're just going to have to almost just, just let that go over your head because it can affect you. It did affect me in the early days. You get called a part-timer after 10 years of what you believe is a great service to the company, your behavior over the last two months of leaving on time, when you're actually paid to leave, you may get called a part-timer. So just know, just focus, have a have an eye on the on the end mission. But yeah, that was a real issue for me as well, though. Harms, just can I just pick you up on something? You just the word you just use the word hustle there. Now, my generation, when we <laughs> when we hear the word hustle, if somebody's hustling on the side there, it sounds like you're doing something dodgy. Did you just throw that term in? Because I've not heard you use that before. Ah, okay. So that's an interesting interesting insight actually, because in my generation, the term hustle is is got a positive spin on it. Really, and is actually links to the causes. So what is causing being a workaholic? And it's also the promotion of you should be hustling and hustling and hustling. Um, so maybe our generations view that term differently, but for us, it's got a business orientation around it. And it's the fact that you're going to keep going. You're going to keep hustling beyond all of the competition. Um, you're just going to keep hustling okay. early hours, late nights. Um, so, so I'm going to talk about that in the causes. Um, but it has got a positive spin, but it's also is also causing a negative behavior pattern. Yeah, yeah, I can in see my that. generation. Yeah. Okay, so I wouldn't have used that term back in my day, and anyone listening to this who's my generation probably wonder what you meant there. So that's great, and thanks for explaining that. So that was number one. Um, second thing to me is is on your mind before you go to bed. So so a sign of being a workaholic is you're already starting to think about the next day. You're going to bed. And you're thinking about the job and what needs to be done first thing in the morning instead of going into a nice state of gratitude and being relaxed and meditating. Actually, your last thoughts are about going to work. So for me, that was a big one I noticed uh, back when I was in my career. And there are times when, for example, I'm out presenting and speaking and doing uh, you know, a, a big event for a group of people. I can go into a workaholic state by this definition because actually it is on my mind before I go to bed. And I'm thinking about how I can best perform the next day. So that consumes me in that moment, which is not healthy when you're at home with your family and you're wanting to be present with your partner. 
And imagine, imagine if you're in a relationship and you just, you know, and imagine what that does for your sex life if you're in a relationship. <laughs> just just <laughs> want to throw that one in there before we move on to the next point. <laughs> so you go to bed and you've got your, your picture of your boss in your head and you're trying to make love to your partner. That, that doesn't go down too well, does it? Exactly. <laughs> um, so that, um, um, the point of us just listing these out initially is to give you an idea of what to look for. Look for the signs, identify them. Third one is planning everything around your work. So you look, your partner's wanting to plan something with you and the kids or go on a break, a weekend away, a long break. I can't do that. I'm working that weekend. Or, yeah, you know, that's a busy month for me. We've got the project to do. How about we go the following month? Well, honey, we can't go the following month because you told me that you've got to finish these. Those two weekends are tied up to working as well. So pretty much your whole life is planned around your career and your business or your job. Everything else becomes second to that. That's a very strong sign that you're in a workaholic state. Number four, you eat, you, for want of a better word, shit and you sleep work, meaning that literally, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to use the crude term there, but honestly, I know that feeling and I've seen it in other people. They, they are working whilst they're eating. They go, to, they, they go to the toilet and it's on their mind. They sit down and go to the toilet and it's on their mind. They literally go to bed, it's on their mind. They have a shower and they're thinking about something to do with it. That is definitely a sign of workaholism. Uh, and it's a dangerous place to be. You can't just be in the moment. You have to be thinking about work. I don't know if you've ever had that experience yourself. I have. Uh, and here's an example of it happening live. So imagine you're at work and you're in your lunch break and you're eating at your desk. You're eating in front of your laptop. You're scrolling <laughs> your emails or you're just sitting at your desk eating lunch that's a big sign that's an example of this happening live yeah and and i know for example if i'm doing an event and you've been with me if i take a short break to have some lunch which might be 45 minutes people bombard me then i've got some notes i've got my team at the back giving me some feedback some things i need to be aware of so actually in that i can do that sustainably for three days because it's three days but for people that are doing it consistently, when I was doing my engineering profession, like you, you obviously you're an engineer as well. You know what it's like when you're on site in the field, there is no break. I mean, literally there is supposed to be a break, but there is no break because you've got contractors, you've got other people, you've got staff around you. There's no chance to actually have a break. So that workaholic nature just becomes endemic. So you go home and you carry it home with you. The weekends, you're still wired for five or six days of doing that. Same thing. It's a massive sign, actually, if you're, if you're in a state of eating, going to the loo or showering or sleeping and it's still on your mind, definitely it's a sign of workaholism. So the fifth one is not being present with your family. You just mentioned it about making love, but actually jokes aside, just being at home, your kids are talking to you, you're checking your phone, your thoughts are still carrying the stress from work. You walk in, you mentioned in a previous or one of our other podcast, I mean, you talked about the fact that when you became obsessed with your career and you were working and working and working, sometimes you'd go out into the car, you'd get emotional, you'd almost break down into tears, set yourself and go back into work because you had to go back into work. Uh, if you carry that home with you and you're talking to your loved one, your partner, and you're just not present with them, you, you're, they're talking to you, but you're not really listening. That's a big sign because you're constantly focusing on your work and a lot of relationships break up as a direct result of that. And I've done a lot of interventions with couples where actually she or he has said to the other person, you know, for the last two years, we, we sit at home at night and I can't get through to you. You seem to be so obsessed with your job. Why is it you won't listen to me? That's a dangerous conversation to be having. And if you're having that already, it means you've gone too far down the rabbit hole with, with regards to workaholism. For sure, Ro. And I think this is a good time just to check in with the listeners at home, which is, again, just reiterating what Ro said at the start. This is not a case just to beat yourself up about it. No. This first part of this podcast is about awareness. And we appreciate it. We know that as humans, if you spend eight, nine, ten hours at work, and you've got a four or five hour window at home with your family to transition mentally from 10 hours at work to a short period at home with your family is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, so we know, we understand that. So these are this initially we're going to go into how we can sort of help um, that this awareness, but this is purely about awareness at this stage. It's a very good point. And actually, if you're listening to this and you've got a pen, make a note of some of these points. But if your partner and you are having these challenges or you're aware of it in your partner or you're aware of it in yourself and you're emotionally developed enough to be listening to this, you might want to actually press pause, rewind and sit down with them and both have a listen without any judgment and say, actually, you know what, honey, I realize I'm doing this or 
you say to your partner, honey, I actually think this is something that you're doing. Listen to what they're saying here, because that awareness is going to allow you to make a shift because the worst case scenario, and, and we haven't talked about this at all actually here, and it might be just worth bringing this up at this point is if I were coaching all of you right now, or Harminder and I were sat down with you face to face, one of the questions we'd be asking you is, what are the consequences of this? And that's not something that we're necessarily covering specific in this, but I'm going to cover it just briefly now. And that is all of these things I'm listing out. If you carry on this behavior over the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months, two, three, four years, there is a breaking point either in you as a human being or in your relationship with other people. And, and it is a massive cause of relationship breakups. It's also a massive cause of health deterioration as well. So I, I want to put emotional leverage on you here to say it's really important. If you're young and you're doing it and you might think I'm indestructible, I'm in my 20s, no problem. I'd be interested to see your harms, your thought on this. I can keep going. That is true. But illness takes years to propagate. So cancer, for example, can take 10 to 15 years before it manifests itself physically, but it's sitting there in your body. Stress-related illnesses take years to build up and young people will fight it off, but the body at a cellular level can't. So ultimately it shows up in your 30s and 40s and 50s. So I know this seems like a bit of a, a dark place to take you, but I want to let you know that the reason I think for us sharing this with you we're doing this is because it's much better you become aware of it now, manage it and keep yourself healthy and vibrant. Otherwise, the opposite to that is you end up as one of these people that's grey, ashen, fatigued, tired, fed up with your job, fed up with your career and don't understand why you're completely burnt out. And there's a whole state of adrenal burnout, which kicks in when people are workaholic. Have I gone too far there? Have I had a bit of a rant? <laughs> you, you've got, gone a bit of a rant, but just to remind <laughs> listeners at home, we the end of this podcast will be solution-orientated. We are solution-orientated optimists. Um, but at the start, we've got to identify the science. And I think True. me and Ro have experienced some of these signs, which is yeah. why we can openly talk about them. I have. My hair fell out. Don't laugh, I'm in it, because you didn't see me. When it, but you, <laughs> you only know me since I've been bald, but my hair literally fell out. Lumps started to form on my body. Um, and part of that was because of these next few, which was you know, not being present with my family at the time, my, my wife, um, thinking about work projects all the time as a civil engineer. This is number six, by the way, constantly thinking about work projects. So it became an obsession. And I got to a point where I couldn't sleep. I, I had a lump form on my chest. Hair fell out at the same time. My hairdresser said, you seem to be in stress. And I denied that. I said, I'm not in stress. And the other indicator, number seven for me, was my social life became limited to the point where most of what I did was with work colleagues and and also the conversations with people were about work. So even if I did manage to get out and do something socially with somebody who was outside my workspace, I found myself gravitating back to a conversation about work. I don't know if this happened to you when you were in your career, Harminder, but even at a young age, and I noticed people are still having those conversations about work in a social yes. environment. Yes, very common. And they're, they're sort of transitions you go through, but especially when people start to, when they meet your friends uh, and when I meet my friends, there's a case... I'm actually quite lucky. Uh, so my friends are listening to this. We rarely talk about work, but yeah. I have been in other friend circles where the conversation is about promotions, careers, how much I'm going to get paid, how much percentage increase right. I'm going to get, um, bitching about management, bitching about super, another colleague maybe who's been winding you up at work. So all of these unhealthy conversations, which you can't talk about at work, end up talk, getting spoken about in your social circles. So that's quite challenging. If you think about what that's doing in terms of um, in, in giving you a positive vibe out of life, anything negative from work, you're not allowed to talk about it. So you talk about that in your social circles or at home with your family or complain to your wife or your, or your wife complains to the husband. That's not healthy. And that's no. also a sign of being a workaholic. Very true. And what happens is it loses the aspirational element of the conversations you might have with friends. So, for example, I can think about a time when you and I sat driving in the Tesla and we're in the car for an hour and a half and we're just we're just talking about inspirational things in life and what we're excited about. Had that been a work conversation back in the day, it would have been a very different vibe. And I think that's the thing to be aware of. That's probably a sign that we want to just highlight here. Uh, the, other, the other one for me it, and I know this because even as an entrepreneur, this, this is a habit that I still have. And I have to remind myself to put it away is the laptop come homes with you, comes home with you. And then you find yourself, it's open on your lap. You're flicking through your emails. And before you know it, an hour, an hour and a half has gone by and you've convinced yourself or the family, I'm just going to do these couple of points and then I'm going to close the laptop. But actually it's not just a couple of things. And before you know it, an hour, two hours is zip by. And that's eaten into your social time at home with the family. And I can say hands up, I did that last night. 
So uh, I know this is in context of we don't know what time you're going to listen to this. But just imagine yourself when I'm shooting this podcast and with Roe, I did this last night with my wife. So these are this is a great reminder for me as well. If, so if you're listening at home, you may all of these may not be applicable to you, but maybe one or two maybe, and you may say, actually, I did that yesterday, or yeah. oh my god, I'm doing that right now. So um, yeah, that happened to me last night. So hands up for that. I own up to that one. Actually, just on that note, you said you're doing it right now. It might be that somebody's listening to this in the background, but they're actually sat doing something work related as well at the same time. <laughs> That's when you just realize it's taking over. And here's the challenge. It, I, I actually did it yesterday as well when I got back, but I did it for a short period and then closed the laptop. However, there are times when it does run away with me and I'm aware of it so I can stop it. And the point here is that it isn't necessarily being a workaholic if you do it occasionally, but if it becomes a consistent habit along with all of these other things, that's when you know the signs are compounding. It's not just one thing, but it's a combination of these things where you have to say, wait a minute, I've just realized how much of my own non-work time I'm actually taking up still looking at work-related issues or items or, or challenges. So laptop is a big one, which kind of takes me into the next couple. So number nine for me is checking emails throughout the day. So whether it's if I see somebody doing it they're on their phone, I, I was at a park just a couple of days ago with my youngest daughter. I saw a guy there literally sat on his phone and I had to be sat next to him while I was watching my daughter. And I, she kept running up to me. His son was running up to him, but couldn't get through to the father. Daddy, 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 he goes, I'll be with you in a minute. And I looked down and he was actually just flicking through work-related emails. And this was on a Sunday. So he's obviously preparing for the Monday. And I think, I mean, it's approximate, but 25 to 30 minutes, his son was literally just trying to get his attention. But the father, all he was doing was checking the phone, checking the phone. I'll be with you in a minute. I'll be with you in a minute. And before you know it, half an hour had gone by. For sure. And that son's experience of that moment was daddy was on the phone. He wasn't even checking social media. He was actually checking emails. Checking emails. And I remember I've been, been in those situations because for him, if he turns up to work on Monday without knowing the information, um, he's going to okay. be frowned upon as well. So that's, that's one of those things that happens, um, which is, again, however, it's not healthy. So what? So we can just fire, I can just fire a quick solution over there. So something I do personally, because I get emails and WhatsApp all the time, is... I will block check my emails. So I actually won't check my emails in the morning. I'll check my emails uh, around lunchtime and I'll check my emails before the end of the day for any urgent replies. So just blocking that time in uh, to check your emails will lead to a healthier relationship with your email inbox. Otherwise, you can yeah. live in there. You genuinely can live in your inbox. Yeah, and, and actually that's a very good point. There's even ways to to group your emails, putting them, put rules up to put them into different folders and then you decide which ones are going to manage at different times. There's a whole system of management there, actually. It's a very good point. Uh, I'm going to group a couple of the next ones together. So I think we're up at 10. Yep. So so 10 is just simply struggling to switch off. And that's almost a combination of everything above, really. It's just not being able to go home and literally not think about work. It's almost under the surface and it just comes up in a in a moment i don't know if you've physically witnessed that or experienced it on a personal level in the business that you're in at the moment or so or in your career but it is definitely something that if it's just bubbling underneath the surface it's you can't park it and switch off it's always there and i think that's very common especially with business owners startup entrepreneurs yeah i think that's a very i mean i i experienced it all the time personally especially when you've got a new project you're passionate about sometimes it it just doesn't leave your mind um and the that is when you need to be aware that actually i should be able to have a bit more control over my mind and just switch off from this for, for a moment and the way to do that and this is, this is just a, a bit of a warning maybe, but the way to not switch off is just by tr by intentionally trying to distract yourself. So typically what would happen then is you would switch on a Netflix TV series or a Amazon Prime TV series to try to force yourself to think about something else. Um, me personally, I think that's quite an unhealthy relationship where you have to distract your own mind from something that's going on at the moment. Um, there's a way we can deal with that. I'll mention it in the solution section, mm. but it'll be involved around breaking a pattern. And I think, Ro, you can really share some wise words on that one. I think that's a great point, Harms. I think, I mean, if I, let me just sweep through the last few just to make people aware of some of the others. And, and I'll combine again a couple here. So I had two separate ones, but I'm going to combine them together. And that is whilst you're on weekends, and I'm going to add 
and on holidays, which is a second point. You're checking your phone and you're checking your emails. So, so the, I mean, I've got a lovely story of a very dear friend of mine who's also a business partner who, when they went on their honeymoon, he literally had to manage his wife's BlackBerry because she, as a lawyer, felt she couldn't be away from the career, even on the honeymoon, without there possibly being an implication to her missing out on an opportunity, uh, a client that might be passed on to somebody else, if she didn't keep the standard of her responses to a high level or whatever it was. So you can imagine it, you're on your honeymoon and your partner's checking their freaking emails and phone. I mean, that is a sign that somebody's in a workaholic state. Yeah. So we're joking, but it's actually a lot more serious than people will admit. And I think because, I don't know if you agree with this or not, Harms, because you're, you're of a younger generation, so you might absorb it more. But I think looking as an older person and I look at the younger generation, it's just an assumed way of life for you guys. Whereas I grew into this lifestyle as technology came on board. So I find myself wrestling with it a lot more. Whereas, correct me if I'm wrong, I think younger people just assume, well, that's the fucking norm. Am I, am I correct there? I, th I think there's a bit of both. So I think there's, it depends on your emotional maturity around the situation. So if I'm sitting with somebody and they are, and I'm having a conversation with them and they reach down to have a look at their phone, I, I, honestly, that winds me up. It, it does very much annoy me because I'm thinking, I, you, you, I'm, I'm speaking to you as a person. I'm speaking to you face to face. Um, normally we're too busy to have a conversation, but now we're having a conversation and you're reaching down for your mobile phone. So me and my friends have a rule is because we see each other quite rarely, the phones go away, the phones leave the table. Yeah. So I think if you are of a certain emotional maturity, you True. need to, you need to put that aside. However, now if there is a lack of emotional maturity, it's going to be a case that somebody's talking to you. And at the same time, they're looking at Instagram or they're looking at Facebook or, or yeah. their WhatsApp message. So I think yes and no. I think the answer to that is yes and no. I think there's a definite increase in the level of consciousness in younger people. But my observation is the majority are still, it's, it's the FOMO, don't want to miss out. So they're, they're, they're literally in the phone and it's a mix of social media and work all at the same time. So it's an interesting observation. The last two points. So one is just talking about work with your partner on a on a consistent and regular basis. You come back and you kind of need to vent off. So before you know it, you've got into a conversation. How's your day? Instead of, yeah, it's was, it was okay. Or just keep, <laughs> you get into detail. And all of a sudden your partner knows everything about the people at work and what's going on. So even your relationship now, the, the lines become blurred. I think it's a big one. And that's a big one for me, Ro. So imagine... Imagine your partner, your, you and your partner work in a separate workplace or a separate business entity. So yeah. me and my wife have multiple businesses where we are the directors of the company. So you can imagine the situation there, the conversations sometimes may always revolve around work. So I'll talk about this in the solution section. I won't, I won't give those partners a solution uh, yeah, straight away. I remember away. that conversation with you actually a couple of years ago on a coaching session. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you gave us some, some, uh, some tools to use immediately right. and they helped. Yeah. But again, this is about awareness. So last week I, uh, we was just getting to the, into bed and I, and I said, um, so we've got developers that work for us and said, oh, has, ha did our developer get back to us, uh, on that website up update? And she looked at me and she said, there's no way you're talking about work whilst we're getting to bed. So, <laughs> and she didn't have to say that. The look said it all. And I was like, ah, yes, yes, this, we're not talking about work now. So it can creep in, but if, if both partners are aware of this conversation, which are why I think it's important, if you have a partner or you have a friend or somebody you spend a lot of time with, get them to listen to this podcast. Because if yeah. you're both aware of these signs, very true have an open communication around it and have a laugh about it as well. It's not, it's not. And, and I know your, your lovely wife, Gina, very well. I can just imagine what that look was as well. And she's got a pair of eyes that are incredible. So she would have yeah. just gone right at you. Um, the last thing is simply this is your health and your exercise that you are committed to doing just doesn't get done. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to eat properly. So diet changes, you, you, you feed around your work environment, you grab food on the go. And even when you are eating, instead of being grateful, being present with it, or even actually making it, you just buy stuff in a package. So now it's been manufactured by somebody else. You've got no connection with what you're eating, uh, especially if you're not eating healthy, dynamic, is it raw, or, or at least green-based food where you chop it and you nurture it and then you prepare it and then you're grateful for it and you eat it and you take the time to do that. None of that's done. It's just like, unwrap the package, stuck it, stick it in my mouth, get on with my work. 
And for a lot of workaholics, they become totally disassociated with what they eat. And when they do eat, they tend to overeat or they'll go, if they do go out for a quote unquote slap up, we earned it, let's go for a slap up meal. So they'll eat, overly eat. And then of course the alcohol comes with it, et cetera. Exercise gets put aside. I was going to go to the gym, but I've got to work lunch. I was going to go for a run this morning, but I've got to get into work early. They're all the signs and it leads to ultimately goes to the back burner, but it also leans, literally lends itself to burning out because people are not looking after their physical health. That would be my last point really, my last sign. Amazing. So that's Dr. O sharing with us 14, 15 different signs to help you identify if you are a workaholic. And just to close this one off, Ro, I can share a personal story of mine, which almost summarizes a lot of these points, if that's okay. Yeah, please go ahead. Okay, so one of the things when I was building my business is a common phrase which always came up in my mind. And bear in mind, I was working a full-time job, a high-pressure job where I was managing a team of 40 people. And alongside that, I was building a property a property investment company. I was building a digital marketing company. So you can imagine how much time and energy was spent working. And one of the phrases which often justified for myself, which I was saying to myself to make this all okay and acceptable was it's okay because once I get to this certain income figure or once it's this size, I will then go to the gym or I'll then spend time with my wife. So I was placing all of those, those valuable things that I was doing all of this for at the end, at the end destination. And the way I justified that, like I said, was, okay, in two or three years time, once I've done all this work, I can then enjoy the fruits afterwards. Yeah. And what I then realized is when two or three years came down the line, more opportunities came, which I then grabbed, which I then continued to add to my plate. So what I quickly realized, and especially spending some time with you, Ro, as well, is there, this is not an end destination. So things like health, things like spending time with your family, that's not an end destination that has to work in harmony with all of these signs that we spoke about. Exactly. So, and we, we, we'll, we'll expand on that, but that was my personal share that I want to let, let the listeners know that yes, you can get in that situation, but especially if you're out there building a business or a business alongside a job or a full-time startup or multiple businesses, the situation is that you are going to be feeling a lot of those signs. But remember that the reason you're doing it for health and your family, do not place that somewhere in the far distant future, which is maybe five, 10 years down the line, because we have to sometimes be real with ourselves and say, actually, we may not make it to five, 10 years down the line if we're treating ourselves like we have done in the 14, 15 steps or, or indicators that Ro gave us to highlight that you're a workaholic. So that's just a personal share for myself, Ro. That's beautiful. And you know, I mean, we could just stop now at this point in the podcast because there's so much even there observational information for anybody listening to this that has got even remote feeling they're doing it or they've got a close friend or a partner that's doing it. But I do think we need to tackle two other things and that is what causes it mm -hmm. and and at least wrap up the, the podcast with some key solutions, things they can start to apply. So do you want to jump in and look at the causes first? Do you want me to? How do you want to tackle it? Well, I'll start with just what I think are the, is the most common cause right now for my generation. Yeah, sure. Simply put, so we are now talking about what is causing that workaholic behavior. Yeah. And personally, I think there's a message going out there on social media, which is hooking a lot of young people, which is about, now this links to what I spoke about earlier, um, hustling, hustling hard, hustle porn, entrepreneurship porns, and that's all coming from social media. Here's where the disconnect is. We have to remember social media is a way to connect with people. Yes, be inspired and yes, yes, get an aspirational feeling from people. However, you have to have massive, massive self-awareness on what do we want out of life? Mm. Because what they are doing may align with themselves. And I think, well, you're going to cover this, but it may align with who they are as people, but it actually doesn't align with who you are. Because let me give you two scenarios. It may be that, I want to go be a full-time parent. And that's one of the most amazing things. If, if that came out of my life, I would be living the best life I can possibly imagine. Whereas for somebody else, they may want to start a company because their mission is to make a billion 
billion pound so they can give 50% of that billion pound away to charity in the future. That is their life's mission. If you're looking at that person on social media and, and, and saying, damn, they work 14, 15, 16 hours a day. And I'm going to give you an example. Elon Musk is an example of that. If they're working that many hours a day, that's exactly what I need to be doing. Well, they're doing that because it aligns with their end goal. But to be a full-time parent, working 14, 15 hours a day won't actually achieve the goal of becoming a full-time parent. So I think what's massively important here is being aware of what you want to have in terms of that outcome of your life. But the cause is the messages that are coming out on social media. Well, that's, that's a big, big issue at the moment. Hey, if you want this Ferrari, you want this Lamborghini, you're going to have to work 14, 15, 16 hours a day because that's the hustle required to, to make this happen. And then people are like, okay, well, I only now need four hours sleep um, because how can I work 14, 15, 16 hours a day? I'm just going to have to cut down on my sleeping time, which is deadly for the health. So that's one of the big causes. That's that's the one thing I wanted to get across, Ro. Yeah. And you know what? It, it's something that creeps up on you. I think most causes creep up on us. So we don't necessarily see it. And often years later, people try and dissect it and say, well, what was the cause? By, by having an awareness of this now, for those of you listening, hopefully, whether, whether you're at sub 30 or 40, 50, 60, it doesn't really matter. If, if you're in this state right now, you've got to start to look at what the causes are. And, and I think you've really nailed something that was not in existence when I was in my 20s and 30s, and that is social media. It's everywhere, isn't it, Hamid? I mean, it's yeah. literally everywhere. You talked about in one of our other podcasts, trialing the idea of taking some of the social media apps off your phone. And if anyone hasn't listened to that particular uh, series, go have a listen to that. That was the series. I'm trying to think now. That was on, um, what was the podcast? Um, so, that, so that's a podcast on mental health. So that's if, right. you, if you search in the podcast search, uh, under the Growth Tribes podcast, you'll find a podcast about mental health. Listen to that. That will answer a lot of these social. And we also include some very useful tools which you can implement, which also help you towards this this whole workaholic situation as well. Very true. And I think what you highlighted there, and it's it's exactly the same here, is that now you cannot escape a, a direct comparison with what other people are doing because social media just throws it in our faces. So I think you've raised a really great point. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take a slightly different approach to it from the psychology of where workaholism comes from. Having, having been in this field now for so long and worked with people who have been workaholics and have gone into relationship meltdowns, health meltdowns, they've actually just physically melted down. I mean, you know, nervous breakdowns, et cetera. And having been there myself where I lost a huge amount of weight going through stress of working too many hours, trying to prove myself. And also that affected my relationship, which caused me to get into a situation where then I was dealing with both the stress in relationship and the stress at work. So there's six things I'm going to just go over briefly here. And if you're listening to this, remember, this is not about judgment, but it is about observation and it's about awareness. So the first one is simply fear. It's fear of not appearing to be successful. It's fear of missing out, which I think now the younger generation harms. Your, your generation talk about FOMO a lot, fear of missing out. And That's correct. That yeah. Okay. We would just said, we used to say, well, just, just fear of not succeeding. So it's the same thing, really. Fear of missing out. If you're missing out on something, it means you're not going to experience something. If you're not experiencing it, maybe you're not perceiving yourself as being successful in that area, whether it's fun, play, work, etc. So fear. Um, the ego kicks in. So it's, you know, I don't want to appear to be unsuccessful. So it's fear of not appearing to be successful. It's fear of missing the next level, the next promotion. All of these things, the next level, the next promotion, um, being able to be uh, recognized in a memo at work, possibly getting a next bonus, all of these type of things. This is all driven by fear. It's not achieving the thing that you want to achieve or perceiving to be unsuccessful. That's number one. So if you're feeling any of those things right now and your work is being driven by that, you're not actually doing the work from a place of passion, desire, and wanting to be the best person you can in work and to enjoy your work because it's fulfilling. You're actually doing it because it's driving you from a place of fear and you don't want to be in that fearful place. That is a major cause of, of workaholism from my observation for most people. Second thing is that there's just, just gaps in your life. It might be that at home, things aren't so good. It might be, and I, I've seen this, and I know this from my, my past, actually, in previous relationships where things weren't great and I was much more fulfilled working hard because I got recognition. I got a pat on the back. My work colleagues told me, you're doing a really good job, bro. Fantastic. Could you do this as well? I was getting rewarded financially. So 
there are six basic human needs that we all have. And one of those needs is connection. Another need that we have is to prove ourselves and to, to impress other people, to have our ego fulfilled. Another need we have is to have variety. And another need is to have absolute certainty and security. So if you're at home and you're not getting variety and you're at home and you're in a relationship where they're not giving you the attention that you need and you're at home and you're not getting a lot of certainty in that relationship, you're not sure if, it, if it's going to last, what do you do? You go looking for all those needs somewhere else. And in most of the, the relationship challenges that I've ever worked with, Harminder and Coach, and you've seen me do this live on stage with people. I have for sure, yeah. It's nearly always down to the needs are not being met. And I ask the person, well, if you're not getting these needs met at home in this relationship, where are you getting them met? And often people go, I get it at work. At work, I get so much recognition. At work, I get so much fulfillment. So, of course, that becomes a workaholic state because you're getting addicted to something that's fulfilling your needs. I don't know if you've ever seen that or witnessed it or experienced yourself um, at a younger age. Have you seen it in other people? So I've seen that with the older generation and right. and, and I've seen that because I used to be a manager of 40 plus people. So right. the way I would see it was the signs would creep in when people were, they just didn't want to go home. They mm. were just sort of hanging around. They had done their work. And they were just still hanging around at work for another hour or hour and a half or finding something extra to do. They would go out their way to find something extra to do at work to almost avoid going home because of everything you said, Ro. So, yeah, I have witnessed it. And that's if you're a manager or you're a leader in your environment, look out for these telltale signs because that person needs support of some form. Um, and they potentially are in that box, unfortunately, of being a workaholic and maybe they just need to be coached through that situation. Yeah, and, and this ultimately leads to a form of mental health, which we talked about in one of the other podcasts. And there are ways to deal with that. And one of the key ways is to open up the communication back at home, because if if it's a struggle to go home, you'll go somewhere else. You know, other people lose themselves in, uh, they become sportaholics, footballaholics. They go and watch every football game. They turn on the TV, they talk to their mates about it, and that becomes their outlet. For others, it's work. And this is where workaholism kicks in as well, because now you're afraid of not getting to a certain level in work. Things aren't so good at home. So it makes more sense to use an argument at home. I've got to be in work because I need the next promotion. And it becomes an, uh, an ongoing cycle. It's called a double bind. You just get locked in it and you keep going round and round and round. And that leads to another cause, which is a delusional belief that it's just for now. So the, if you've ever had, the, and I know this because I've had this conversation, honey, it's just for now. We just, if we can just get this project over the line, if we can, you know, even in the property world, when I started off in the early days, it was, if we can just get these next two properties over the line, it'll be different because this is going to produce this much cash flow. If it's in work, if I can just get this project finished, I'm going to get a promotion. That's going to bring us another £2,000 a month. And then guess what? We can go to that bigger house we wanted, or we can go and have that holiday we wanted. And of course, when you get to the bigger house, the mortgage goes up. And then the next story is, honey, we've got a bigger mortgage. So I've got an opportunity to earn more money. They're going to give me a promotion if I just do this. And it just becomes comes just for now, but it never is just for now. It's just an ongoing, I'm getting into a rant I can hear, but anyway. I love that. But, <laughs> but that just for now, Ro, that actually links directly with the story and the situation I gave the podcast listeners about 10 minutes ago. Right. That's that exact situation. So I justified it with, you've described it a lot better for me now, which is it's just for now. Let's just work hard just for now, because then in two, three years time, it will be good. But then two, three years time comes. My situation was different in terms of we didn't have higher expenses. My situation was, OK, now we've done so great. We've got more opportunities. So we go grab more opportunities. And then it's just for now. Let's grab this opportunity because we'll, this will be the result of that. And that cycle of just for now, that's another great way to describe my situation that I explained earlier in the podcast. Yeah. And it's a great way to buffer and move away from a problem at home. So when the argument comes up, but you're working so many hours, but it's just for now. And that just for now can be a, a one hour, a one year, sorry, conversation that finally blows up. So it's, it's a powerful place to, to be if you understand it and meaning it's a powerful place to be in terms of your awareness. If you're aware, if you're aware of it now, you can make some changes. And so, I think the question were to ask directly, if that phrase comes up in your life and yeah. whether your partner asks you the question or you ask it as a self-reflecting question is, Okay, just for now, but how long is just for just now? Just for now. Very good. How long is that just Great for now? Great coaching question. So we, we talked about FOMO, fear of success. We talked about the gaps. In other words, that your basic needs are not being met. And that could be in several different places. Tied to that was number three, which was issues at home, relationships at home. So you lose yourself in your work. Fourth one is delusional belief that it's just for now. Fifth one is, but that's just what people do. 
So you make an argument to yourself. <laughs> everyone else is working. So, but, but I mean, like you said, if I leave at 4.30, I'm part-time. Other people are working till 5.30. That's what people do. I need to work till 5.30. So you, it just becomes a social myth. And you talked in a previous podcast about sapiens. And when he wrote the book Sapiens, he talked about social myths. We create a myth and it becomes a truth. That's what people do is a myth. That's not what everybody does. I know that from my own life. And yes, that's what people did in my career, but that's not necessarily what you have to do. So be careful of these myths that we create in order to justify the workaholic state, which then creates relationship problems. And then years later after the divorce and you're talking to your kids and you make up some bullshit story about, but this is what happened. No, that's not what happened. The truth is you told yourself a lie or somebody sold you a lie and you bought into that lie. And there's another rant. But anyway, that's another rant. <laughs> and I might just add to that rant because my generation will will feel and hear those myths from their parents. Right. So if we are entering the workplace uh, in the first five, six years, it's work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, put the hours in, do the overtime, um, go for those promotions because that's what people do in order to be successful. So exactly. that's, uh, it just doesn't come from relationships. It also comes from a parent to child relationship as well. And then that child, when they grow up, they do the same thing to their kids because that's what they believe what people do. And exactly. I agree. <laughs> that's what and you see, do. it's rolling off your tongue because it's actually a hypnotic statement. So, I mean, in language, there are certain things called hypnotic statements. And when you make a statement like that's what people do, it's an assumed truth. When it becomes an assumed truth, we just do it anyway. And, and it's unconsciously becomes a truth, a myth. So that you're even struggling to find another way to say the sentence because that's what people do. <laughs> it's fascinating. And it becomes in debt. It's right in our souls. It really is. And it kind of leads me to the last one, which is really that's what people do because the sixth one is they have a lack of purpose. So there's another hypnotic sentence. They have a lack of purpose, meaning they don't really know what their life is about. So I'll just work hard in my job. That gives me a sense of purpose. And, and that also means that I can earn more money. And if I can earn more money, I can go on holiday. So although I don't have a purpose in my life, next year's going to be an amazing holiday for two weeks. We've been given two weeks in the summer. And then if I do that, it's going to be great because I'm going to go away somewhere nice. I'm going to feel important. I'll come back. I'll be rested. And I need the rest in my holiday because I've got to get back to work because that's what people do and get back into my job. And it becomes a cycle. No one's actually stopped to, to wake up and decide I'm on purpose today. They've just waked up. They've woken up that day to, to pay the bills and to do a good job because that's what people do. That's my last cause. That is fantastic. So to summarize what we've covered so far is number one, the signs of being a workaholic. Number two, what is causing this behavior of being a workaholic? And now as promised, as optimists and solution finders, we are going to leave you with point number three is how to deal with it. And that's going to be all solution orientated. So if you have beaten yourself up up to this point, don't worry, there is a way to change this pattern. So I think, Ro, the best way to do this, uh, also for being sensitive on time and the listeners listening to this, is sure. if you roll down with uh, any solutions that you have, and I will jump in with mine, and if any of my experiences or if I think I can expand on a point, that way we tackle the solutions, solutions together and then we'll leave them with some action points. Okay, so I'm going to go through four things here and then my action point will also involve a solution as well. Awesome. So, so the first thing is take the time to reevaluate who you are. And in order to do that, you need to look at three things. And this might sound a bit deep, but you're here on a podcast with us. And if you've come this far down the rabbit hole, I'm assuming that you're in a place where you want to do this. So this is not about your work. So, so the distinction here, Harminder, I'm trying to get across, and you've heard me say this many times, is not, you know, what do you do, which is how most people meet. Hi, my name's Ro. Hi, I'm nice to meet you, Harminder. What do you do? That's typically how socially people greet each other. This is a question on who are you? And that means asking yourself the question, number one, what do you believe in? What do you believe in about you as a person and your work-life balance, you as a human being? What what do you believe about how you show up, how you want to show up? And what do you believe about how you want your work to be in harmony with your other life, the rest of your life? In other words, it's not just your life. So beliefs around work, work-life balance, work -life balance and who you are as a person. Tied into that is your values. What do you value? And the easy way to remember that is what do you want to feel more of? So for example, a, a, a value that I have is health. So I value health. So that means I want to feel more healthy. I also value um, connection with my family. I also value having value 
time with my family. So for me, I value time with family. I value health. I value love and connection with the family. I also value a sense of excitement. Now, none of that really ties into being in a job. So I'm what I'm asking you to do here is what are your top values? If you can list out your top five values and really be clear on them, then the question to ask yourself is, are those values aligned with what I'm doing in my job? And actually, am I getting those fulfilled in the workplace? And nine times out of 10, you're not. So start thinking about what you value most, what you believe. And then finally, just tied into who you are is, and this is all under the first point, by the way, is purpose. What? How do you want your life to be? What is the purpose to your life? If you look into the future, how, how do you really want your life to show up? What role do you want to have in the world? How do you want to serve your family? How do you want to serve society? How do you want to be as an, an employee or as an entrepreneur? So your purpose can be an overall purpose, but it all kind of breaking down into specific areas as well. But for now, just have a play with this. What will be your overall purpose in your life? Remember, in order to get a solution to being a workaholic, we have to first of all understand who we are, how we want to show up in the world, how we want our sense of purpose to be. And then we ask the question, hold on a minute, this is the picture of how I want to be. And I look at the picture of how I am right now, and the two are completely different. And then we have to bridge that gap. Is this making sense, Harminda? That makes total sense, Rowan. It's a fantastic activity to do. And I've done it on multiple occasions. And just for listeners listening at home, if you haven't had time to process this because it's the first time you've heard about such a solution-orientated experience, I w- we will put those on the show notes at growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. We will put these questions. We will put these points, even the signs associated to being workaholic. We'll put those on the show notes so you can have a reference point. And I can then, I mean, this is a good time for me, Ro, to talk about my solution oriented. Can I just add well. yes. just a couple more things on that? So so the first one is really understanding who you are. Uh, I'm glad these are listed out because I'm going through cu- quite quickly here. Second one is to go out into the future. So take a walk into, into the future, just you mm-hmm. and yourself mm-hmm. for the next 10 to 15 years. And if you really want to play this game hard with yourself, really want to go the full extreme, take a journey as though you carry on doing what you're doing and and just write down a paragraph of how that's going to look if you carry on doing this level of workaholism and how it's going to affect your health, your family, relationships, your finances, your your personal emotional state, your mental health. And then do a separate description of how you really want it to be in the future. Really genuinely how you want that to look in the future, how you want your life to look, how you want it to feel, how you want to show up. And describe that on paper and then compare the two. And it's only by doing the comparison can you start to reevaluate what steps you need to to change that pattern. And that's the last and the third point is stop repeating the same patterns. That's the third point I want to do here. So if you're doing something right now, for example, Harminda talked about going to bed and having a conversation before you go to bed with your partner about work. Maybe choose to stop one habit each day. So tomorrow could be I'm not going to think about or talk about or even consider work before I go to bed. I'm going to try that for the next week. And then the following week, I'm going to change that. And the following week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually eat my dinner and just meditate or I'm going to talk to my family about personal things or I'm just going to contemplate how amazing life is, but I'm not even going to think about work. Start breaking the patterns of workaholism step by step. And the way to do that is to look at each of the uh, the signs that we talked about, pick a sign that's represented itself in your life right now and go, right, I'm going to stop that habit this week. And then the following week, I'm going to stop the next habit. And if you start chipping away before you know it, you'll start to act and fill that space with a different mindset. And they're the three things from my perspective that I think would work really well if I was coaching you directly. I love that, Rose. So that's that's a great sort of coaching model and an exercise that will take them through. And again, that will be on the show notes at the end of the podcast episode that will be on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. To add to that amazing experiential exercise you can go through that Rose described there, I wanted to link it back to just bringing some awareness on why you started to do what you do, period. So some awareness around why are you working so hard in the first place? Because ultimately, if it's, if it's this will fit into two buckets. Is it for the money? Is it for the recognition? Is it for the pat on the back? Is it for the fame, either publicly or internally within within your workspace? Or is it from a place of passion, joy, excitement, fulfillment? Because those are potentially better reasons to dedicate time to work. And ultimately, all of those things that I've just, just, just described there, 
the reason we potentially do this, and you have to look at this for yourself, hence the self-awareness element, is because we want a better or greater life for ourselves and our family. So if we want a better life for ourselves and our family, that also involves us to be there with our family members. Because what would they rather? So you've got to ask yourself, what would your your wife, your husband, your children rather experience you like? Would they rather experience you at work for 10 hours or would they rather you're there with them, spending time with them, having laughs, sharing stories, creating memories? So ask yourselves why you are spending all this time at work in the first place. That will start to unlock the awareness within yourself. Rose spoke about the second point. The second point I want to cover with you guys is breaking the pattern. So I will just share a personal example is I am very much aware that I can be drawn into and I hit a lot of those signs that Rose spoke about at the start of the podcast. I hit a lot of those signs, but I'm now aware of them. So I do things that break the pattern. I do one thing, which is I, t- I take a day out into nature. So me and my wife will literally go and walk into nature or when I feel things are getting out of control, I will do something which is more larger. So this year I booked myself into a 10 day silent retreat just in order to break the pattern of this desire to want to work constantly. And sometimes it can be uncontrollable, but because I'm aware of it, I can implement a solution. And thirdly, this is something Ro shared with me and my wife uh, many years ago now during a coaching session, which was create some boundaries in the house. And if you are especially, even if you're uh, in both and full-time jobs or you're in a business or you are a couple within the same business, this is very common in terms of property investing. If that is your situation, create some boundaries within the house. So we've got an office space. And if we step out of that office space, we can no longer officially talk about work. If we step into the dining room area, we can officially no longer just talk about work. If we're, if we're in the bedroom area, there's only certain topics we can talk about. And one of those is not work. So create a work boundary where you have these conversations around work, around business, around future sort of projects that you what's happening. So at, for us, in my relationship, that is our office space. For you, in, it may be around the dining room table before dinner. Once dinner starts, that's it. The work conversation stops. So those are some solutions I found. There's some practical solutions I found there. One is about self-awareness, but there's also practical things you can do. Sorry, just to jump in. What I love here is that you're not just sharing new insights, but you're taking some of the stuff you've learned from the past and you're adding it in here. And I think anyone listening to this, even if you just took one or two of these points, one or two of mine, there's already enough tools here to start to break the habits that you've been doing and and you will notice a difference but you have to put the work in behind it it has to be a conscious process rather than just i'll give it a go yeah and i think definitely get your partner on board with this if you're listening to this alone and you feel that your partner's a workaholic or you know you're the workaholic just say to them let's listen to this podcast together because i would love to make some changes in our relationship i i've 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 sort of been, you know, I've sort of hit a lot of these signs that I'm a workaholic, but I want things to change and just make, just do one thing at a time, make, make the change one step at a time. Absolutely. Uh, I think just to wrap this up then, because there's already a lot of great content and we've almost given them actions to do here. Mm. If, if someone's listening to this and it's like, well, where do I start? Uh, I'd like to suggest one action, if that's okay with you, Harms. Yep. So maybe you can do something similar. So at least they've got one thing to take away and then they can review back and then add to that with the other actions we've talked about. So can I jump in with mine first? Yes, please. So so I think going back over what I've just suggested, here's what I, make, I recommend you do. Block a day off work. Now, this might be a challenge if you're a workaholic. You could do it on a weekend. But sometimes consciously taking a day away from work means that you value that day rather than, oh, I'll just fit this into a weekend. It's your call. I can't tell you what to do, but that's my experience is that adding a different value to it. So take a day out and go away somewhere. If you can, for example, if it's a weekday, leave work on the first day and then go to wherever this location is and book into a hotel, somewhere where you can just be on your own, ideally away from your family, away from your partner, somewhere in nature, somewhere where there's either mountains, 
the ocean, rolling hills, woods where you can walk and you can connect. You need to take with you a journal. You need to take with you pens and you need to take with you a conscious state of mind. And when you get there, just spend that day reflecting. You don't have to be in silent, for example, like the silent retreat that Harms is talking about, but you do need to be in silence with yourself to be able to talk to that space and ask yourself the question and, and write this down is, how do you really want a typical day, a week and a year to look in the future? How do you want it to feel? How do you want it to sound? How do you want to look? How do you want people to treat you? How do you want feelings inside you to be when you go to bed at night, when you wake up during the course of the day, when you're eating your food, literally describe in detail exactly how you want each moment, each experience to be. You can do a typical work week, a typical uh, you know, experience with your family, but it has to include a combination of the integration of work and life. It can't just be how I want my work to be because that's just one element of it. And then whilst you're in that day, Take a half an hour to an hour to sit down and compare that description against how your life is today. And once you've made that comparison, then the last thing is make a decision. And the decision is I'm going to make a change and start to decide which parts of your current lifestyle need to change in order to move just one step to start with closer to that vision that you've put in your journal. And that's the only suggestion I've got at this stage. I love that action point, Ro. And just for listeners listening at home, I've, I've done that myself. I, I do that on regular occasions. Um, sometimes if I've been working away on certain weekends, the following weekend is blocked out. No mobile phones, no, no work's getting done. Uh, no work actions are getting done. I'm away from the laptop working, walking in nature, uh, where that's half a day, the whole day. Um, you've got to work what's right for you. So I love that action point. Well, thanks for sharing that with the listeners. My action point would be reward yourself for the things that you you are working hard for. So what I'm linking this to is the reason we go to work typically, and this this will be different for everybody, but typically we go to work because we want to have a great family life at home and we want to provide amazing value for our family at home. So when you are building, you're working hard as a workaholic, you're working hard. Okay, that's that's one thing, but we want to change that pattern. So the way we can change that pattern is by rewarding yourself at certain checkpoints. But the reward has to be done with the very people you are working hard for. Hopefully that makes sense. And I'll just repeat, summarize that again. So you could reward yourself by you and your whole family having a day or day trip to the cinema or half a day to the cinema where you're going to enjoy lunch together. You're going to watch a movie together. No mobile phones because you're rewarding yourself by spending time with your family. And that's a great reward for that hard week you did at work rather than go into the weekend or the evening and continue to work, break the pattern by incentivizing yourself and rewarding yourself for all that great work you are actually doing, but rewarding yourself with the very reason you are spending all that time at work. Uh, does that make sense, Ro? Yeah, I think just going back over that last point, that the, with all these things, is you're simplifying it. And I think that's important. Don't For the listener, don't overcomplicate this. Just go with the flow. Um, if, if what Harminda is suggesting is the way for you to do this, go there first and then come to mine. But the, the, the key thing here is to simplify this whole process. Don't overcomplicate it. And I, the, the idea of rewarding yourself is very important. When I, my experience is, particularly having children, if your children misbehave and then you have a conversation with them about improving their behavior, but at the same time, on the back of that bad behavior, you give them a reward. They associate the reward with bad behavior. So for me, on a personal level, I've always learned to reward good behavior and just not reward any any bad behavior at all. Just just re don't know if that makes any sense to you, but you haven't got kids yet. But it's certainly something I've discovered over the years. And we used to give our kids certain things and then realize it was too close to when they did something that maybe they should have done better. So as people, we need to understand how to reward ourselves in association with doing things that are working for us. Have I made that clear? That is clear, Ro. So it's, so it's the same scenario. So what I'm saying is reward yourself as a person, as yeah. an adult, for spending time with your family, because that's the exact reason you are working all those hours for. Yeah. That will then encourage you and make, make you look forward to switching off the phone, 
clearing out the inbox, just just staying away from work, outside work hours, including business. So this applies to business as well. Lock off that time and reward yourself for all those hours you put into the business because that's the reason we do it in the first place. Hans, uh, just just yes. just very quickly, give them an example of, of rewarding yourself because everyone's definition of a reward can be different. So I think it's important to explain the meaning of that reward. I mean, how, for example, would you reward yourself so that it was meaningful, but not necessarily overly expensive because somebody might go, oh, right, I'm going to go treat myself to something really huge right now as a result of that. Absolutely. So, so think about it on a, on a spectrum. So have, I think have a blend in, in a, in a year, again, simplifying, but have a blend. So here's an example of something small, something small is we are going into a park in the city and I'm buying my whole family ice creams. That's a really simple reward. Something medium is I'm taking my whole family to the cinema. We're going to, we're going to take a, we're going to do a vote on what movie everybody wants to see. And we're going to go there. I'm going to go to a restaurant after the movie and we're just going to really enjoy that time together. Something which is more expensive, maybe I'm booking a spa day for myself or I'm booking a spa day for myself and my partner, um, or I'm going to take care of the kids and my partner is going to get booked into a spa day, whatever you prefer, but go and book a spa day for two days, go stay overnight in the hotel. So that's something which is very cost effective, something which maybe would cost you 50 pound and something which maybe cost you a couple of hundred pound to book yourself into a spa. Nice. And and the point is they're meaningful to you, to the individual, because you set that as a target or as a reward yeah. to yourself. Great. Absolutely. I love that. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, I think great subject we've chosen. And again, thank you for bringing me to the table on this one and asking me these questions because it's provoked a lot of conversation between the two of us. For sure. And I think we are the exactly the exact right people to talk about this topic because we face these challenges, you know? <laughs> yeah. So those listening at home, we face these challenges quite often, but one thing we are very much is aware of them. And that's why we can share these, share these golden nuggets with you guys listening at home. So on that note, that is me and Dr. Rose signing out. Don't forget to check out the show notes at growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. We look forward to sharing more amazing wisdom from two different generations at the next episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast.